he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came back to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Preachers around the world are today crying out, Hosanna, save me! But not for the reason you think. You see, this is probably the hardest Sunday of the year to preach. This Sunday, we are moving from, turn this down a little bit, moving from Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and taking the scriptures all the way up to the cross. We have, if you go into Luke, it's chapters 19 through 23 that we are trying to deal with on this Palm slash Passion Sunday. And it's almost impossible to really dig into everything that is going on in this part of the gospel. And so I would encourage you all during the week to come to read this passion narrative from Jesus' entry into Jerusalem all the way up to the crucifixion. Read the story. See what's going on. And I think in some ways what you'll discover is this is actually telling us something about the human story. This passage of the gospel really is focusing us on the human condition and trying to remind us who we are in preparation for Good Friday and Easter. If you look at Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, he comes in being hailed as the king. He's riding in triumphantly. The people are celebrating him. They're shouting. They're waving the palm leaves. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. Hail to Jesus. Yay! The problem is that everyone loves a winner. Everyone loves the Messiah who is going to bring them back to their glory days. 
But pretty quickly these people are going to realize this isn't the king who's going to order everyone around with authority. This isn't the great warrior who's going to take up arms and defeat the Romans. And you know what's going to happen. These who are celebrating and hailing him as king, these are the same people who will soon turn on him and shout for him to be crucified. You see, we do love a winner. And it reminds me of almost every sports team that has ever existed. You know, whether or not you really like sports, if your college team or or your uh, uh city team is playing for the championship. Everybody's on board. We love our team. Yay, go win. But the next year when they're not doing so well, the people or the fans are sitting there yelling, yeah, bums, learn how to play and throwing things at them, right? I mean, you love the winner, but when they're down, all of a sudden you're like, you're not the ones. I think that that really obnoxious fan, that there should be in every sports game a, a 30-second timeout where, you know, LeBron James or Russell Westbrook takes the, the player and says, okay, drive on me and try and score. Or Aaron Rodgers says, okay, bud, come on, you get to throw the ball in this next play. Because you know what would happen. They would soon realize that they're all talk. They have no capacity uh, to stand against these elite athletes. But it's so easy when people are winning to ride that wave. But when it turns in a direction they don't like, expect, desire, all of a sudden you turn on them. And this is Jesus on his entry into Jerusalem. These people have expectations for who Jesus is and what Jesus will do. It's just like us. We have expectations about who Jesus is and what Jesus will do. And as long as Jesus is doing what we want Him to do and fulfilling our hopes and dreams, yay, Jesus! But the minute Jesus isn't who we want Him to be, we're like, where are you, Jesus? What are you doing? And it reminds us that our human expectations can get in the way of us seeing what God is doing. You see, to follow Jesus isn't about Jesus fulfilling our expectations. It's quite the opposite. To follow Jesus means we will now fulfill God's expectations for us. Human beings always want to set up our expectations for what God will do. And all the time Jesus says, no, it's the other way. You need to learn and follow what I ask of you. So here's this first thing that we really need to think about in the week to come. What are my expectations for what God will do in my life? What are my expectations 
for what God will do in this church. And are we willing to set down our expectations as Jesus does and say, not my will, but your will, God. You see, in the heart of this passage, Jesus is trying to show us again and again, not our will, but the will of God is what will lead us to where we truly want to be, to the life we actually want to live. We have to lay down those expectations. But there's a second thing here. Part of the problem is that we human beings, not only do we not fully know who God is or what God is trying to do, because after all, that's faith is to go when you can't see. We don't even really know ourselves. Right? That's the whole purpose of Lent is to stop and say, do I really know who I am? Do I really know what I'm doing? Do I really know if I'm following God? Do I really know if I'm listening to God? But look at what happens at the Last Supper. Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And they're all like, is it me? Because they don't even know themselves well enough to know if I might be the one that will betray Jesus. And of course, in some ways, even though Judas we think of as betraying Jesus, all of them in some way or another betrays him. All of them will turn away from him. These who have followed him most closely, these human beings who have known Jesus better than any human being has ever known him, they will all, in his hour of need, abandon him. Just in some ways, as we do. You see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is in agony. Jesus is suffering. He knows what he is facing. And he says to his disciples, his closest friends, his brothers, stay awake with me. I need you. And they all fall asleep. In the Gospel of Luke, it says out of grief. In the other Gospels, it doesn't say that. And, you know, those of us who have experienced the depths of grief know you don't usually fall asleep if you're grieving. You you can't sleep. You, You pace the halls through the night. But they're falling asleep. They're checking out. They can't handle what is happening. They can't see what is real. In other words, this idea of them falling asleep, sure, it may be literal, but it also is by analogy. It is also this metaphor for what we do in life. Jesus is saying, stay awake, pay attention, be present. Can't you see what is really going on here? I need you to stay present, and they can't. They check out. You and I, we sometimes think we see things the way they really are. But you know the truth is, we see in a mirror dimly. We see through the lens of our experience and our life. We see through the lens of what people have taught us, but we don't see through God's eyes. We don't 
stay awake and aware and present to what is happening. Jesus is saying, wake up. Paul in his letter says, stay awake. He doesn't mean don't ever go to sleep. He means keep your faith open. Listen for the Spirit. Stay attuned to what I'm doing. You know, so often... Even Christians, we claim to be following Jesus, but then we're clinging to the old ways. We don't want to let go of the past. We don't want to let go of what we've, we've known. We don't want to do that. But you can't get to new life unless you go through the cross. There is something important here about the suffering of the world. We want, desire, expect that following Jesus will just wipe out all the suffering in our lives and in our world. And yet, here is Jesus, God Himself, suffering. We want His suffering to be the end of it. We want his suffering to mean we can just sit back and go, thank you for suffering, Jesus. But what he's saying is wherever I am sitting with the suffering of the world, I need you there. Don't turn away. Don't walk away. Don't fall asleep. Don't say, I can't handle this. Because when someone is suffering, you know Jesus is there with them and Jesus asks each of us to stay awake and say, God is with you. You are not alone in this journey. That is so central to the life of faith. You know, we look at uh, the war that's going on in Ukraine and the atrocities that are being perpetrated on these innocent people. And the disciples would say, where are you, God? And turn their back. And God says, where are you? Are you with them in their suffering? Are you saying God is here? God is walking That is our call when Jesus says, pick up your cross. See this world for what it truly is and know that I am at work. There is so much mystery to this world and yet this is what Jesus says. If you are truly my follower, my disciple, you will see that there is suffering in the world and you will be my hands and heart in the midst of it. Stay awake. I need you where people are hurting and suffering. One of the greatest privileges of ministry is being with people in the hospital or at the end of life. Because unless we walk that difficult walk, we will not cross over to the new life that God is promising. You see, this whole passage 
that leads us up to Easter. This next week that we call Holy Week is about what it means to be human and what it means to really believe in and follow Jesus Christ. To set aside our expectations. To believe that God is at work. To see what God is asking of us and to stay awake. To be alert. To say, God, where are you? Are you moving? Where do you need me to be and to go? I was thinking about five years ago, just about this time. When the district superintendent came to this church, which was a suffering church, and said, you know, we got this different thing. We're going to give you some part-time pastors. And so many people were like, no! No, that's not what we want. That's not the way we think things should be. That's not how the past was. That's not how... Yet in your willingness... To let go of your expectations. God has done something amazing. And God is still doing amazing things among us. If we will stay awake, if we will stay with Jesus, if we will go through whatever it is God leads us through. Because on the other side, we will see fully what God has been doing, even if now we only see in part. This week, read the gospel, read the story, ask, am I awake, am I listening to you, Lord, am I setting aside my will, that God's will might be done in us and through us for the sake of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.